1 Samuel, the second chapter, if you'd turn there, please, and also Romans 13. 1 Samuel, second chapter, and Romans 13. We've been for some weeks now on this uh, uh, series we're calling Honor to Whom Honor. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, the ushers have extras. Hold up your hand high if you want to use one of our Bibles, and we'll be glad to get one to you, let you use it. Turn to 1 Samuel the second chapter, and let me review a bit, uh, just because it's good for us, but then also in case someone wasn't here to hear the other parts. First Samuel 2, uh, the story is told of uh, Eli and his sons, and how that his sons were doing wicked things and being so disrespectful of the house of God and the offerings and the things of God. And the Lord warned Eli to do something about it, and he did not. And in verse 29 of 1 Samuel 2, he said, You honored your sons above me. And now judgment was coming. Verse 30, the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Say that phrase out loud a time or two. For them that honor me, I will honor. Say it again. For them that honor me, I will honor. Can you count on that? As surely as you honor him, what's going to happen? He's going to honor you. Do you desire that? Do you? If you don't, you should. Because it's uh, virtually every good thing in life that you could think about comes back to that. When uh, you are able to pay your bills while other people are not able and they lose their stuff, God has honored you. When you're healthy and your kids, your babies are healed and other people are not, and die and die prematurely and from accidents, God has honored you by keeping you and healing you, hasn't he? When other people are going down and everything's going bad for them and you coming up and you get promoted and you're just, things are getting better, that's the Lord honoring you. And he said he's able to do that because you honored him. One of the greatest ways he honors us is with his presence. You know, we know this concerning people, uh, heads of state, heads of countries, heads of companies that come to certain functions and they say, you know, so-and-so, the so-and-so of so-and-so honored us by coming. They were, who was at the meeting? They were at the meeting. Well, when the Lord shows up (laughs) at the meeting, he's honored us, hasn't he? When he, we know he's everywhere, uh, but he's not manifested everywhere. You, You don't sense his presence in the same degree everywhere. And so, uh. Uh, can we initiate a greater manifestations of the presence of God in our midst? Can we initiate more blessings and favor on our own life? How? If we honor him more, what's going to happen? He's going to honor us more. We should be so hungry for this. Look in Romans, the 13th chapter, please. Romans chapter 13, verse 7. 13.7 says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Give honor to whom honor is due. We've heard this numerous times. In the God's Word translation, he says it like this, Pay everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay them. If you owe bills, excuse me, tolls, pay them. If you owe someone respect, respect that person. If you owe someone honor, honor that person. Here he compares paying respect, showing honor, to paying taxes or paying tolls, uh, bills that you owe. So uh, this is a very different mentality than the world has and and much of the church because worldly thinking has gotten in the church. And uh, one of the greatest needs all of us have 
is that our mind be renewed. Not be conformed to this world's way of thinking and being, but be transformed. The Bible said renewing your mind will absolutely transform you into another person, a different person. How many would like to be transformed? Well, then you need to keep your nose in this book. And you need to be at every service. And you need to download all the materials and everything and everybody else is preaching that's good. And you need to get your mind washed. Somebody said, they've just been brainwashed. Well, honey, your brain needs a good washing. I assure you, you need all that junk washed out of your mind. And you need to be washed by the washing of the water of the word so that you see things in a different light. And you hear differently and you perceive and you think and you speak differently. And you'll become a different person. Transform. And you'll be more like the master. Is that your desire? Well, it doesn't happen because you read one verse one time or that you came to church once one year. He said, pay what you owe. We talked about how that uh, the mindset of so many is, well, you know, they're interested in you respecting me. And so they demand respect. But don't demand respect. Demonstrate respect. Sow and give respect and you'll reap respect. And then also in talking about giving respect, The world has the mentality, well, I don't know if you've earned my respect or not. If you merit respect from me, and that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you owe people respect. And so when the scripture says respect them, honor them, it matters little what you feel about it. You should do what he tells you to do out of respect for the Lord. If you didn't have enough for the person, you ought to do it out of honor for the Lord. And you may not be able to respect everything that a person says or does, but you must respect the place that God gave them and you must show honor to whom honors do or elsewise you wind up disrespecting the Lord himself. We don't want to do that. Now, we are as a generation suffering from the disrespect and rebellion sown in the 60s and times before and after that and we've got now multiple generations that have grown up not being taught proper respect and honor And it is in epidemic proportions. I don't know if you've noticed it or not. But there are the the most rudeness, the most disrespect from young and little to old and gray. And all the way in between, people are just saying and doing the most calloused and dishonoring and disrespectful things. Act like they're not even aware of it. And if something's pointed out, they go, well, whatever. No big deal, you know, get over it and... And it's just, this is devilish. This is ungodly. And even though we're in the world, we're not of the world. We don't have to be like that. We don't have to be conformed to that. And we have already seen some evidence, some very good things of respect and honor of God in our children and in our youth right here in this church. I've received as the pastor, and Phyllis says, some some marvelous letters from people in uh, different institutes and and places in the county and in the country about our kids, about our youth. And they said, man, what a marvelous young man. How respectful. How we thought this was dead and gone, you know. What a a marvelous child. What a peaceful, polite little child. And people are just, they marvel. This is a witness. I said, this is a witness. And you can begin to see that... uh, The the scripture said that that children are to honor their mother and father, that this is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with them and they may live long on the earth. It's not too hard to figure out that if parents don't let their children get by with all this disrespect, and you don't have to be mean and hard, you just don't change. And you don't conform to them, they have to conform to you. Let me say that again real slow. Your world should not revolve around your child. That's being ungodly. Did you hear me now? And it is extremely bad for the child. And if you revolve your world around that child and they grow up in that environment and they go out into the world, they'll think the school is supposed to revolve around them. They think where they work is supposed to revolve around them. They think God's supposed to cater to them. And it will not go well with them. And they won't live long. They won't make it long like that. No, but your child grows up 
showing respect, showing honor to you, to God, to men. And they go into this world, they go into school, they go into college, they go into the workplace with these values and with these attributes. Don't you think that in a world full of rude and cussing and could care less people, they're going to stand out like a light bulb. Is that right? And when it comes time for people to be chosen, who's going to run this? Who's going to be over that department? Who's going to promote it? Who do you think they're going to pick? Come on now, can you see this? So you can begin to see connected with us being honored and promoted is us honoring him. And the more we honor him, the more he'll honor us. Is it good news? Do you care about these things? Well, do we need to learn about it? Do you need to learn about it? I know I need to learn about this. I do not presume that I have arrived by any stretch knowing how to honor God and honor men. I believe in God. A lot of the things that I'm teaching you, I believe for myself. I asked him, teach me about this. Show me. I know I've learned a few things, but I know I need to learn more. And he gave me during the course of this some very significant things. Let me go over them. That showing honor, showing respect, a big part of it is what you don't say and what you don't do. And that we are, Faith Life Church, me and you, we're to emphasize right now stopping the disrespect. Stopping the disrespect. We asked him to teach us. We asked him to show us uh, where it is and what it is. And he's been doing that. We're in the midst of it right now. Did you know it? He's been doing that. He gave me five eyes of disrespect. And we've been going over those. We want to continue them today. We went back to the book of Genesis in the third chapter. And we saw that in the beginning there was no disrespect. There was no dishonor between God and Adam, between Adam and Eve and, and those two in God. There was nothing but perfect harmony and peace and respect and honor until the serpent, the devil, came on the scene. And then we see this sarcastic disrespect. He says, yeah, does God said, did God really say? And then when they told him what God, when she told him what God said, he said, no, you won't really die. This questioning And this contradiction, everybody say disrespect. 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 And so then that was breathed into our parents, Adam and Eve, when they sinned and fell. And it's been passed down generation to generation. And it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. But God has never changed. And his ways have never changed. And we don't have to be that way. And no matter how you grew up, you don't have to be that way. And so we begin to see the five eyes of the first one, uh, eyes of disrespect, words that begin with I. Uh, we see that they ignored, they ignored God in sinning. The Bible said that the woman took of the fruit of the tree and she ate and she gave it to Adam and he did eat. They had to ignore God to do that, didn't they? They had to ignore what he told them. It's not like they, they, they were pretending like they didn't even know. Like he hadn't even said anything. Did they know what he said about that tree? Certainly they did. They had to ignore him. Ignore what he had said. Ignore uh, that he had created them. And given them life. And never lied to them. Never done anything that was wrong. They just totally ignored him. And it got them into trouble. You know, if they had been mindful of him and respectful of him, they wouldn't have even been hanging around that tree. Would they? See, the the disrespect had already begun by being out there uh, hanging around something that you know he told you not to do. So ignoring. Then the second eye, does anybody remember it? Second eye of disrespect is interrupting. Interrupting. The scripture says... In Proverbs 18, 13, in the easy to read, it says, let people finish speaking before you try to answer them. That way you will not embarrass yourself and look foolish. Now, I know that's a new idea to a lot of people. Let people finish speaking before you start speaking and answer them. I mean, you you watch TV, you watch any kind of a news show or talk show, people are just shouting each other down so rude so people say well that's the way the world is you know it's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease you got to jump in there or you'll get run over you won't get your say that's ungodly that's worldly the lord is not that way and the squeaky wheel gets the grease is not a scripture 
It's not a verse. <laughs> now you laugh, but people actually live by some of these things. They live by some of them. They act like they're scriptures. No, no. The Bible talks about being still and being quiet and waiting on the Lord and things like that. Those are scriptures. No, it is very rude if somebody's speaking. That you, you can't even wait for them to finish a phrase, finish a sentence. And, and you just talk over them so that they have to stop what you're saying to them by your action is that what you're saying is so stupid and unimportant and insignificant, I can't wait for you to finish that phrase. And what I'm saying is so amazing and superior that you should shut up instantly and listen to me and give me your full attention. How arrogant. No, interrupting is disrespectful. And then thirdly, did anybody remember the third one? Intruding. Intruding is disrespectful. The scripture said in Proverbs 25 and 6, it says, Put not forth yourself in the presence of the king. Stand not in the place of great men. Better to be said to you, come up hither, than that you should be put lower in the presence of the prince in whom your eyes have seen. Don't put yourself forward. Don't push into something that you have not been invited into. Uh, don't just show up. Don't just push your way in. Don't just say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go do that. I'm going to go be. No, who invited you is a question that you should ask yourself frequently. Who invited me? Who asked me? Who invited me? And, and there are certain things that we should approach reverently and, and not be like the proverbial bull in the china shop. Just come blaring in and, and loud and pushy. and uh, You know, God is not pushy. Have you noticed this? The devil is. The devil is pushy and demanding. God is not. In fact, if you don't invite the Lord in, he won't come in. If you don't want to hear what he's got to say, he won't tell you. Then the scriptures say, behold, I stand at the door. And what? Why don't he just come in? Hmm? Could he come through if he wanted to? (laughs) Could he blow that door off the hinges? (laughs) Do you need him to come in? Yeah. What if he just said, well, look, I know you ain't got enough sense to know it, but you need me. I'm coming in. Someone said, well, I wish he would. No, you don't. He'd be be like the enemy. He's He's not that way. He is gracious. He is kind. He is good. You have to ask him. Didn't he say you have not? Why? Because you didn't ask. Now people like to say, well, but I don't go for all that. Uh, you know, that's just form and and niceties and ritual. And I, I don't go for all that. I just like everybody to jump in and just do what they want to do. And yeah, I know, rebellious. But no matter how you grew up or how your parents grew up, doesn't make it right. Just because great-grandpa got away from God doesn't mean you need to pass it on to your kids. Hmm? Let's let the Lord restore to us dignity, honor, respect. Certain things should be approached reverently. Certain things should be approached only when you've been invited, upon being invited. You remember uh, Moses comes up to the burning bush. It's a spectacle. He wants to see it. And before he gets there, the Lord says, Halt, wait, take off your shoes. The place, this place is holy ground. You know, there, there are situations and times that we don't need to just blare in. We don't just need to run up. We don't just need to say, well, I'm here. Let's do something. Then you need to be quiet. You need to wait. There are times you need to stand back. Wait till you're called. And what if they don't call me? Then don't come. yeah but I want to come well it's not all about what you want grow up learn some discipline and have faith in the Lord well I I want to be a part I want to be involved trust God come on trust him that he will satisfy your heart and if it's not here and if it's not now there's another way there's another place but like Dave was saying he loves you does he love you Then he knows what you desire and what you need and what you want. But you won't get it by pushing in. You push your way in, people will resent it. And instead of, you know, getting what you want, uh, you know, people will not invite you, not want you to be around because you're too pushy. 
But if you stand back and wait till you're called. Oh, this is going over big, isn't it? Can you tell? Everybody's excited about it. <laughs> In, intruding is disrespectful. What was the fourth one? Anybody remember that? Interfering. Now, a lot of times people intrude and then they remain and stay to interfere. <laughs> We've got the double, double disrespect there. No, you don't want to do that. You don't want to interfere. The scripture said in Proverbs 26 and 17, it says, interfering in someone else's quarrel as you pass by is like grabbing a dog by the ears. Going around grabbing strange dogs by the ears is a good way to get bit, isn't it? It's a foolish thing to do. And uh, you got to watch about interfering in things that are not your business. And don't pertain to you. You hear the phrase respect their privacy. And a lot of people agree. Oh yeah. Yeah we need to respect each other's privacy. And yet so many will just go right on. And not do that. Even though they agreed to the concept. What does that mean? Respect their privacy. How do you do that? Well you do it by not interrupting. You do it by not intruding. You do it by not interfering. Among other things. There, uh, you know, we, we saw with uh, Peter and John after Jesus was raised from the dead, and uh, there they ate the fish there on the lake shore, and, and and Jesus spoke to Peter. He said, "Do you love me?" And he said, "Yes, Lord." He said, "Feed my lambs." He asked him again, "Do you love me?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "Feed my sheep." Asked him again, "Do you love me? Feed my sheep." And then he went on to tell him by what death he was going to glorify the Lord. And so Peter, after hearing that, he says, well, what about John? What about him? What's going to happen to him? And the Lord looks at him and says, if I want him to stay and live till I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, we should learn from the Lord's response. Can you see from the Lord's response? Peter asked a question he should not have asked. Can you see this? He shouldn't have asked that question about John. That was between John and the Lord. He should have been thanking the Lord for showing him some revelation about his life. And he could have talked to him about that. But no, he's got his mind on John's business. I I presume that he's thinking that John was going to get off lighter than him. Because John had a revelation of how much the Lord loved him and even named himself the disciple the Lord loves. (laughs) And I don't know whether they thought that he's saying that he was the Lord's pet and favorite or whether they thought he was. I don't think that's what he thought at all. Maybe he just knew better about it than they did. But here Peter speaks up and goes, well, well, what about John? Well, you know, it's going to happen to me. What's going to happen to him? And the Lord said, what is that to you? You need to follow me. In other words, keep your eyes on right here. And he went on and said that statement. He said, if I want him to live and not die, I'll come back. What is that to you? You can tell by his language, Peter has crossed a line. He shouldn't have been asking this. You know, it's amazing how forward many people are. They will just walk up and ask you questions. About your personal stuff. About, won't they? About your private affairs. Just like they had a right. I've had people ask me, you know, just private stuff, you know. Well, how much you pay for that? I said, well, I didn't say. <laughs> and they said, I know you didn't say. That's why I'm asking. Come on, get a clue. That's why I didn't say. <laughs> What's it to you? Or, you know, what about this? Or, are you doing this? Or, did you do this? Or, what about them? Personal, private things. Let's don't be crude and, and blind and disrespectful. There's a whole lot of things fall under the category of none of your business. <laughs> I mean, there are just reams and reams of things that are none of your business. You know, there's stuff... That could fill the ocean. 
with issues and ideas and items that are none. Say say it out loud. None of my business. There are billions and billions and trillions of things that are none of my none of my business. So I shouldn't be asking about it. I shouldn't be sticking my nose into it. I shouldn't be intruding into it. I shouldn't be interfering with it. Because it is. Did the head of the church tell Peter it was none of his business? Is, is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Would he tell you about a lot of things that it is none of your business? Should you take heed to that? Yes. So uh, don't be interfering. Now, the fifth one. Can we get to it today? The fifth eye of disrespect that we're talking about is, turn to the scripture, we'll read it and then I'll, you'll understand it better. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, 2 Timothy 3. What was the first eye of disrespect? Ignoring. What's the second one? Interrupting. What's the third one? Intruding. What's the fourth one? Interfering. Do you want to stop doing those things? The Bible is emphasized to us, stop the disrespect. Stop doing these things. So don't be annoyed by these things. Be taught by these things. The scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord can be taught. And I believe that's what's happening for us. And that good things are in our future as we do. Because those who honor him, he honors. In 2 Timothy 3... And the first verse, and I'm reading in the God's Word translation, 2 Timothy 3 and 1. says, you must understand this. In the last days, there will be violent periods of time. People will be selfish and love money. They'll brag, be arrogant, and use abusive language. Everybody say, use abusive language. They will curse their parents. Well, that's abusive, isn't it? Show no gratitude, have no respect for what is holy, and lack normal affection for their families. They'll refuse to make peace with anyone. They'll be slanderous, lack self-control, be brutal, and have no love for what is good. They'll be traitors, they'll be reckless and conceited, and they'll love pleasure rather than God. They'll appear to have a godly life or form of godliness, the King James says, but they'll not let its power change them, stay away from such people. Did any of that sound familiar to you? You ever heard of anybody cussing their parents? See, such things should not be heard of. Under the law, if you cursed your parents, you died immediately. You were stoned. Now, why such a serious thing? The fifth eye of disrespect is insulting. Insulting. He says here, abusive language, slanderous, cursing. Insulting is a a strong expression of dishonor and disrespect. In fact, one of the strongest that you could express. Uh, the word curse is changed and and formed to cuss in our vernacular. And most Christians know that you ought not cuss, although a whole lot do. (laughs) Everybody just look straight ahead now and smile. (laughs) There's a lot of Christians cuss. Especially uh, in times of duress (laughs) or being upset. And everybody knows that as a Christian you ought not cuss. And yet I don't think a lot of people realize why or what's really going on. And the reason why under duress and being upset and being mad and whatever cussing comes out is because cussing was in there. And that's bad. That's not good. And you go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. No, it shouldn't have been in you. (laughs) Now, a lot of people were world champion cussers. 
before they got saved. I mean, they could, whoo, they could rip you up and down and they could send you everywhere and do everything. Cuss. Oh man, they practiced cussing daily. So they were masters at cussing. <laughs> but think about cussing. What is it? What's bad about it? It's just words. A lot of the names, you know, some words we use in daily language are cuss words in other countries. You, We think nothing about it. But if you say it over there, they'll look at you like, what did you say? And vice versa. But it's not just alphabet. You know, words are containers. They contain spiritual content. Little or much, good or bad. Take the word hello. H-E-L-L-O. Letters strung together. Doesn't mean a thing in the world to a lot of people that speak other languages. But I can put any number of different things in that word. Hello. I can go, hello. Not much of all in in there. I can go, hello. I put something else in that word. I can go, hello. Put something else. That means, what are you doing here? Huh? You can put joy. You can put disdain. You can put indifference. And it's a spiritual quantity in the sense. Words are containers. They contain spiritual quantity. God created the heavens and the earth with them. Didn't he? The Bible said life and death is in the power of them. Oh, we need mind renewal. Where words are concerned. The Bible tells you in James. If you're able to control your tongue. You can control your whole body. And your whole life. Is that true or not? I said is that true or not? Think about it now. Can you control your whole body. With your mouth. The vast majority of Christians. Don't believe a word of that. You can tell by how they talk. Can you control the direction of your life with your words? Most Christians don't believe a word of that. Come on, think about it. If you're going down, 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 according to the Bible, you can say, I'm coming up. In the name of Jesus, I'm coming out of this. And things will get better and better for me. And I will overcome every trial. I'll pass every test. And I'm coming up and I'm coming out. The Bible said if you believe that in your heart, you say it with your mouth. There's power in it to cause it to happen. Instead, most most Christians are saying, I just don't know what to do. I've prayed and I've done everything I do. And it just seems like things get worse and worse. Oh, y'all pray for me. It's just gotten worse and worse. And it's going to keep getting worse and worse. As long as you keep talking worse and worse. But see, people don't believe this. They don't believe this. You can, the Bible said in James, you can control your whole body with your mouth. Do you believe that? Yes. What if you got a kidney that's not acting right? What if you got a lung? What if you got a heart that's not acting right? You need to be talking to that thing. You need to say, listen to me, kidney. You're my kidney. And you will work in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, work correctly. Be normal. Be clear. Be cleansed. Do what you're supposed to do in Jesus' name. I'm calling you a healed, whole, strong, perfect kidney. Instead of doing that, millions of Christians go, my kidney's bad. I just don't know what's... Y'all pray for me. But my kidney's been bad for a year now. And it's just... It's down... The doctor said it's down to 10% now. They say it's it's just gotten less and less every month. And and it's just getting where it won't work at all. And, and I, y'all, y'all pray. It do no good to pray if you're not going to change your mouth. Now, I know people don't like this, but I didn't make this up. I know it sounds foreign, but it's not because it's not in the Bible. It's because people have gotten totally away from the Bible and substituted their tradition of religion for the Word of God. God created the heavens and the earth with His words. He created Adam and Eve speaking spirits. He gave us the ability to choose our own words and put faith in those words and speak them over our life. I'm telling you, you can rule and reign in life with faith-filled words. It is the truth of the Bible.
truth of God. Millions don't believe it, won't receive it. They scoff, they make fun of it, but it's true. Oh, y'all are just that blab it and grab it, that name it and frame it and claim it bunch. Yeah, and we got it too. <laughs> you can make fun of it if you want to. We're enjoying it over here. <laughs> huh? How about you getting on board and receiving yourself? Doesn't matter what comes out of your mouth is what I'm saying. Oh, it's life and death. The scripture says. So we are Christians. We are children of light and life. And the Bible said also in James. Out of the same mouth ought not come blessing and cursing. Said out loud I'm not a cursor. I'm a blesser. Now think about it. So much of what people call cussing. Is slander. The Bible uses several different words to describe uh, reviling, reproach, slander, and blasphemy. And these are, you can tell people are trying to put hate and despising and belittling in their words. You can tell people's voice raises and they're reaching down on the inside and they're trying to put it all they can into it going, you sorry, blankety blank, you blankety blank, you, you this, you that. What are they trying to do? If people had put that much effort into blessing. <laughs> huh? You are not to cuss anything, including your lawnmower. You saw her blankety blank. You you this, you that. You done it. Well, what do you think's gonna happen now? You say that for a few years, it'll be the sorriest lawnmower in the county. It'll never start. It'll quit every time you need it. And you're getting exactly what you're saying. What if you only said this? My stuff is blessed. I'm telling you, my stuff is the best running, longest lasting stuff around. I'm blessed when I go out. I'm blessed when I come in. My stuff is blessed. My things are blessed. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. You need to say this when you're not happy with something. That's the test. You got a junker of a car? <laughs> And you need, you're late for work and it won't start. Here's a test. <laughs> it's cold and you're late. This ain't time to cuss. Help me out, friends. This is not time to cuss. Help me out. What do you say? Lord, I thank you for this car. If I didn't have this car, I'd be walking or Ride my bicycle. And this car will serve me well as long as I need it. I bless this car. It'll stay together. It'll work. It'll serve me as long as I need it. And while I'm at it, I'm going to thank you, Lord, for my new car. That's coming in. Huh? Come on now. Don't you think you get further doing that than kicking tires and cussing? <laughs> Say that loud, I'm a blesser. I'm, a I'm not a cusser. Turn with me over, if you would, to uh, John. Let's see. No, I'm, I'm moving too fast here. Uh, Matthew 15. My, how the time does go. Let's look at John 8 first. What did I say? Yeah, I know. Look at John 8. <laughs> you try to figure out how you're going to do all this in five minutes. Can y'all come back next week? The Lord tarries, okay. John 8 and verse 48. John 8, 48. Then answered the Jews and said to him, Say we not well that you are a Samaritan and have a devil? Verse 49, Jesus answered, 
I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. This was such dishonor that Jesus stated it. He said, you are dishonoring me. Why? What were they doing? Name calling. Now, to them, they felt superior to Samaritans. So this is racial and national. And to them, this is really cussing him to call him a Samaritan. And then they said he's got a devil on top of that. Are they trying to insult him by calling him names and slandering him? Why would you do that? Why? What are they putting into these words? There's a tone that went with this, wasn't there? It wasn't friendly. It wasn't nice. How did they say Samaritan? Hmm? Like you say a cuss word. You're a Samaritan. You got a devil. Why? Trying to express in the strongest way how little they think of him. Can you see this? How much they despise him. How repulsive he is in their eyes. Can you see this is absolutely satanic? This is devilish. And so when people go into these rants of you blankety blank and you're the blankety blankest blankety blank and, and you sorry and you this. It's not just about words. It's not just that cussing is bad. There's a spirit behind this. And what are people trying to put into these words? They're doing their best to despise and disrespect and dishonor and demean And reproach and belittle. That is. As far from God as you can get. Because God. Holds human beings. To be the most valuable thing. In all the universe. Doesn't he? He talks about in Psalms. That the price of a soul is precious. It endures forever. There's no amount of gold. There's no amount of money. Can purchase and equal the value. Of one human being. I know that people have become so deceived on the planet that they'll pull out their pistol and shoot people over $20. But how totally in the dark can you be? There was only one thing in all time and eternity that was worth enough to purchase human beings. It was and is the spotless blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And He paid it for you and He paid it for me. And how dare we try to demean and treat as totally useless and valueless the human beings that he paid such a price for. Let it never come out of our mouths. This cursing, this insulting, this demeaning. No, the Bible said, let all corrupt communication, don't let any of it come out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying, building up, that it may minister grace to the hearers. We don't want people... We don't want to convince them that they're worth less than what they are. We want them to realize how much they're worth in the eyes of God. So why would you ever use some kind of a gender slur or racial slur or any other thing to to age slur, whatever, uh, to make people feel bad or less or little? Slander and cussing is the language of fools and devils. And it has no place in our mouth. Said out loud, I'm not a cursor. I'm not a demeanor. I'm not a despiser. I'm a blesser. I'm an edifier. I'm an encourager in Jesus' name. See to it that your cussing days are over. You don't cuss anything. You either bless it or you keep your mouth shut. How about that? Huh? You don't cuss anything. Or anybody. (laughs) He said. uh, I honor my father. But you do. Dishonor me. And. uh, One of the things that they were dishonoring him. About. Was in saying that he had a devil. Can you see that? That's one of the biggest things. In uh, Mark 3.28. He said. All sins shall be forgiven. Unto the sons of men. And blasphemies wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. Now, 
Blaspheming is a much misunderstood concept in the church folk everywhere. It's just a word that we don't use a lot. And people, they know it has a spiritual, serious connotation, but they don't really know. It simply means to speak evil of. To speak ill of, to speak evil of. One precise definition is to vilify. To speak evil of. And again, this has to do with this insulting, this reviling, this reproaching. He said, all uh, sins shall be forgiven to the sons of men and blasphemies, wheresoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost has never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. And didn't say he was eternally damned, said he was in danger. Because if you're yielding to stuff to this degree, you're headed down the wrong path, brother. This is serious stuff. And notice verse 30, why? Why did he say this? Because they had said he has an unclean spirit. Who are they calling an unclean spirit? The Holy Spirit. Now we're going to get into this some more as the Lord would help us, but this is so serious that sometimes God has personally answered this kind of thing. In the scripture, we're going to look at it more than once. Uh, Blasphemy can provoke God to immediate action. And it's not good. I'm talking about judgment coming swift and strong. And uh, did you know that there's blasphemy everywhere in the world today? People say all kinds of things about God. It's It's gotten worse in the last few years. You used, to, you used to not hear people say such things about Jesus as they say. And such things about God. And the thing, but they have no fear of God. No respect for God. They don't believe he even exists. So they make fun. I mean some popular shows and articles. I mean well, some of their main things. Making fun of God. Making fun of Christians. Making fun of the church. But friend this. Can you see how serious this is? When people start calling what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing the work of the devil. And they told Jesus, you're a Samaritan. You've got a devil. And oh man, it was so serious. He responded and he said, I want you to know something. All kind of sins will be forgiven. Things that you say against each other and things you say against me. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, you talking about him like this, will not be forgiven. And people that talk like this and act like this are in danger of eternal judgment. That's sobering to me, is it to you? I don't want any kind of thing remotely coming out of my mouth. You know, uh, if you're not sure whether this is God or whether it's not, whether it's the Holy Spirit, then just keep your mouth shut. Don't be, don't be, I know people bless their hearts. Sometimes it's just out of ignorance, but they're, you know, People that say like folks, me and you, that talk in tongues, all that's of the devil. Oh, man. If they weren't so ignorant, they'd be in trouble. Do you know what I'm talking about? And when God does something in the church or he does something through a people and their heart is right and he came and moved and something good came out of it and others are envious and they want to say negative things and all that preacher, that's by the devil and that's a devil doctrine and that's a demonic this and that. Watch it. Watch it. Watch what you're saying. If that's the Holy Ghost, you're speaking directly against him. Isn't it? Which is better to be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to get all worked up. Mad. Upset. Be respectful. Do a lot of watching. A lot of listening. A lot of praying. A lot of thinking, a lot of being quiet, a lot of respectful. You'll be spared. You'll be kept. You won't make these kind of grievous mistakes. Stand up on your feet, everybody, please. Many have cursed him. Many blaspheme. We're on the other end of the spectrum. Am I saying it right, friends? You and I, we don't blaspheme. We have the utmost respect. For our Jesus and for the great Holy Spirit that was on him 
and spoke through him and healed through him and worked miracles through him. And that same Holy Spirit is in us and on us in this room today, moving among us, speaking to us, ministering to us. Say it out, close your eyes and, and say it out loud, pray it out loud, Father God. I love you with all my heart. Your things, your words, your people are precious to me. Nothing more valuable, nothing more important. Anything and everything I've said and done that was foolish, ignorant, disrespectful, dishonoring, ask you to forgive me. Help me to see it. Help me to realize it. I'll change by your grace. In days to come, set a watch at the door of my mouth. If I begin to say something and do something that's dishonoring, I ask you, check me. Alert me ever so strongly. Help me to realize it. By your grace, I'll stop. I'll repent. Thank you for helping me to honor you. And I thank you in advance for honoring me as I do. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.